Hey guys, what's up? It is week <coughs> 69. I am looking like Murray. If anybody lived in the Midwest, I'm not sure if Murray's were everywhere, but there was this guy with a giant beard and a giant big... He looked like a hairy knuckle when he was basically on the side of this building. That's exactly who I look like. Look over there or here, you'll see a picture of him. But that's what I look like right now. Uh, this is week 69. I have some reviews for you. But uh, I want to start this out with something a little different. I have a question to ask you guys. Now, I usually uh, record these on Sundays. That right, That's why some of your questions that are asked are always asked in the next week. So anybody that wants to participate, please get your questions in the Saturday you see the video or uh, early Sunday. But um, the question I want to ask you guys is, and I'll read them on, on the next video, whoever gets in, who's on, leave it on YouTube or on the uh, Screaming Toilet page, is... Um, which film in a series has always been a slog for you guys to get through? I have a bunch. Like, you know, the big series, like A Nightmare on Elm Street for me. I can't stand Part 5. I mean, I, I appreciate some aspects, like the special effects are great and stuff like that, but I never liked that one, Dream Child. As a kid, it always bothered me. I always loved 3 and 4 and 1, and two's okay. Like, I even came around on 2, and I don't even hate 6, because I saw it when I was very young, but I never liked Part 5. And then, like, Jason Takes Manhattan, Part 8. I always disliked that one. I always thought it was just miserable. I always see it on TV and be like, I can't finish this. And uh, there's other ones, and uh, that brings me uh, to my Within a Minute segment that I'm going to do, because this is another one out of a series that has always been a slog for me to get through. This is uh, Poltergeist 2, The Other Side. I didn't watch the new Shout Factory Blu-ray, or the, or my old Blu-ray. I actually watched it on Vudu. But uh, I'm going to do Within a Minute for you guys, and uh, let me know. Maybe I'll put a little clock down there to see if I can make it. I know I didn't make it last time when I tried to do this. It's a, basically to do a quick review in a minute. But okay, uh, let's go. Poltergeist 2, The other side the sequel to the hit movie uh, you know obviously by spielberg and toby hooper it brings back most of the family they're on the run but of course the poltergeist spirit is still following them that's basically the setup here this one adds in more into the uh, native american element um with uh, will sampson and he he's plays pretty much playing a stereotypical kind of indian character who's like intertwined with this weird spirit world zelda rubenstein makes an appearance too uh, one of the daughters is missing which is kind of distracting but really the main focus in this movie that i want to talk about is the uh, the addition of kane is scary is good they add the the religious aspect there but this movie's tone is is a mess it, at times it's like heartfelt and sweet with the grandmother character and i actually love the grandmother character and you kind of like get this warm cuddly feeling and then at times i don't know some people may like this it's very dark and disturbing but then it's also goofy and completely insane and the script it just kind of slums forward going into different plot points it's very confusing in a way how the script works it's just nonsense the special effects are amazing in it it's awesome there's good performances but the tone is all messed up it's so messed up and it's so just inept and just sloppy and stupid to be honest it's way too dumb the great performance by the grandmother and then it gets very mean-spirited in that with the grandmother and there's just a scene that just makes me sick to my stomach where uh, heather rourke's character carol ann's talking to her grandmother about growing up and then you know what actually happened to her and i just said i know this shouldn't affect my rating of the movie but i was like this is making me actually sick to my stomach <laughs> it's just the movie totally is a mess it has some genuine scares in there and it's probably remembered finally for a lot of kinder trauma that it caused people but it's not great the it, it's comes in at average for me it always has 
has, and I've always had problems watching it because I love the first. I, I I enjoyed the first one very young. I love the third one. I know it has its own problems, but I like it. And I can get over those. The second one, then the trite, cheap Native American aspects are too strong. Uh, it's just it doesn't know whether it wants to be a family movie, a horror movie, a comedy, or something serious or dark. But that's Poltergeist Two, the other side. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of it. Did I make it? I don't know. Probably not. I'm going to start with uh, Diamonds of the Kilimanjaro. Uh, this is an old Jess Franco movie. There was like a, a Shriek Show release of this one. Uh, this is from the MVD uh, cla uh, Marquee Classics uh, line. I had never watched this one. And, you know, Jess Franco is an acquired taste, I'll say. Like I told somebody uh, this week, they said, I've never been a big Franco fan. I said, he grew on me like a wart. And that's exactly how I would explain Jess Franco. He definitely grew on me like a wart. Um, Diamonds of the Kilimanjaro is not one of his strongest efforts. It's a jungle adventure movie, so I was sucked in right away, because I'm a big fan of stuff like uh, Cannibal Holocaust, Cannibal Ferox, and uh, Jungle Holocaust. All that stuff. I like jungle adventure movies, even if they don't involve cannibal aspect. This one does not. It follows the story of this plane crash, and uh, this girl who's in a plane crash. It, it follows the story of just a plane crash. But uh, it follows the story of this girl and her father getting this plane crash. She's very young at the time. And uh, the, the natives of this land think that it's some sort of god. So they respect this man. And uh, fast forward to the future or the modern day. Um, and we have this woman who's dying. She wants to send her uh, brother or uncle, some relatives, to go find her missing daughter and husband in the jungle. Uh, but they don't want that to happen because they want to inherit some money. So they have some shady people involved. They kind of want her to die or not come back. And that's basically the plot of this movie. They go in, a lot of shady people, people are getting picked off. There is this kind of aggressive, uh, you know, tribes girl, a woman who is, uh, you know, kind of leading the war effort or the violent effort against uh, a lot of people that come in the jungle looking for these diamonds. Did I mention there's diamonds? Because there is diamonds, hence the title. But uh, this movie is very sloppy, very, very, very sloppy, very inept, very, it's got to be one of the worst 80 yard movies I've ever seen in my life. And you might get a kick out of it for that. Uh, there's a lot of nudity, a lot of topless uh, women walking around, a lot of sex, uh, a lot of sex with beautiful women having sex with guys they probably wouldn't have sex with. It's just like the lead guy to me is like, it's like if Jess Franco was a little bit more attractive, that's how he'd look, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> and uh, it's funny, his name is Robert Foster. And I looked on the back for a second, I was like, oh, Robert Forrester. I was like, I can't believe he's in this. And then I was watching it, I was like, I think I got, uh, 
bamboozled here. This is not Robert Forster. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't have any features to speak of. It looks pretty good, especially for a cheap movie. The only shots that are, like, grainy and out of, out of focus are, are probably because Franco shot them out of focus. But, uh, yeah, it, it's not a particularly good movie. It's a slog to get through. But it looks a lot better than one would expect it. It has a lot of... It, it, ADR is terrible. The plot is very stupid. And the characters' tr motives and everything and how it ends is just... Uh, it's just not good. I'm sorry. It's a terrible movie. It's it's an, it looks all right. I like the slipcover. I like the case. I I you know I appreciate that they went to the jungle and went and made and took the time to do something that might be a little bit harder than usual for Franco. But it's I still it's just not a good movie. It's one of Franco's least well done efforts, and that might be from I don't know just budget. It's just terrible. Afrique continent de mystère et d'aventure. Mais vous êtes fous On va avoir les morts à nos trousses Voilà, on va... De quoi on va avoir Les diamants du Kilimanjaro. L'expédition de tous les dangers. Troupe d'aventuriers à la recherche d'un fabuleux trésor. Les diamants du Kilimanjaro, objet de convoitise qui engendre et exacerbe les passions. J'ai un marché intéressant à te proposer si tu veux les diamants pour toi seul. Je n'avais pas le droit. qui transmet la force divine aux guerriers qui la protègent. Une aventure à vivre avec force. Les diamants du Kilimanjaro. Bientôt sur cet écran. Okay, the next one here is Golden Temple Amazons from the MVD Marquis Classics. Uh, this is also the first one of that. Uh, the one previous was made in 83. This is made in 86. This is also a Jess Franco uh, jungle adventure movie. Now, this one's plot is a little bit more in-depth. It does have William Berger in it, who I didn't even recognize. He's looking so rough in this one. But, uh, again... The ADR is atrocious in this. We uh, follow the story of um, another girl whose parents were uh, killed in the jungle after her father tried to steal some uh, diamonds from this uh, tribe of Amazons. And uh, the daughter is basically 
raised in the jungle. She has all these animal friends, including a rhino. I think there's an elephant. There's definitely a chimpanzee in here. And uh, she basically goes to fight the Amazons with the help of some other people. Some people come in looking for... Both these movies run together for me because I watch them very close. They're both very similar. They have a lot of the same cast involved. And uh, this one has a little more in it, but it's just as terrible as far as I'm concerned. There's some really bad fights in it. Some fight uh, choreographing in here that's just terrible. It's kind of funny to be honest. Again, this is a fun movie to watch with friends and have a couple drinks and enjoy yourself. But as far as like uh, watching this as like a serious piece of film, it's just not gonna do anything for you except make you want to take a cyanide pill. But uh, that's not. Uh, these aren't really advertised as something like these top-notch movies, you know. And uh, Franco can work well on a budget at times and do a very good job. But uh, here, there's just so much going against him. But he's trying to add so many things to it. I mean, there's there's animals in here. There's again tons of topless women slow motion shots of them riding a horse so i mean even at that point when you get all this nudity in here it's just still at points you're like uh, let's wrap this up let's hurry this up at one point in this movie i don't know if it's a disc error but i i, I have a feeling that it's a franco error uh that uh, there's a scene where you can't hear any of the dialogue at all and uh these uh, there's a crocodile almost a crocodile attack and uh everybody and the music's suspenseful and then it does the same scene over again but the dialogue is now audible and and it's just like what just happened here what's going on i don't know is this on purpose is this some sort of artistic uh you know flair here i don't know i don't i don't want to know but there's this uh, couple characters in here that are absolutely ridiculous uh the the motives of the uh, head baddie here who who rules the Amazons. It's also kind of dumb. It's like we have this Amazon tribe and then the leader is William Berger, the only male of the tribe. It's like, come on, get out of here with that. And then like, um, you think that like uh, this this one character who goes to help her that he she fights earlier and she beats up with the help of a chimpanzee. His acting, even with dubbing, is just bad. It's just so over the top. I mean, it looks good again. I'm surprised they remastered this thing so well. The only shots that are out of focus are some of the animals and and some of the other stuff. And, and you could tell that's just out of focus shots that don't look too particularly good. I mean, you can tell the difference between how well something's remastered. You know, even if it is out of focus but uh neither of these have many features on here or any i don't think they have some trailers um neither of them have subtitles they're both in english you can watch golden temple amazons in uh, french i believe as well which i believe a lot of the people in this movie probably were speaking french but it doesn't really matter because they probably all didn't record sound on the set but uh i think that golden temple amazons is just is a little bit more ambitious but uh just as bad if not worse than uh Diamonds of Kilimanjaro. But if you if you like these movies and you want to have a couple drinks and sit down with some friends, they are remastered and uh, and they look pretty good for what they are for sure. Come out here! Get the hell out of my place! find the killers of my parents, but I'll be back. Don't worry. What are you doing here? I'm an archaeologist. 
I'm going to the Blue Mountains to find the remnants of ancient civilizations. We are going to the Blue Mountains, too, to avenge my parents. You are Liana, right? You know me? I've heard about you. She's all right. We couldn't have found a better guide. I am Rina, captain of the Amazon Honor Guard. I shall enjoy playing with you. But quite unusual games, of course. Okay, the next one here is from Kino Lorber, and this is 1987's Rolling Vengeance uh, with, um, who's in this? Ned Betty and uh, Lawrence Dane. Uh, Lawrence Dane, I remember from Darkman 2 growing up, but Ned Betty, man. Ned Betty's in tons of stuff, uh, most notably Deliverance. Now, this is a good old-fashioned revenge story, but it's a little bit ridiculous. As one of my friends said when I was talking to him about this movie, um, he said, um, this movie's like one of those dime store pulp novels you'd see, like, in, that, in, a, in a section, and just, like, it looks absolutely ridiculous, and you want to see it. But the plot of this movie is there's a couple truckers, uh, Lawrence Dane and his son, and they run this company, and they deliver alcohol and booze to this uh, tiny uh, Ned Beatty's character and his five uh, ridiculously man-child kids. And uh, they're always trouble. They're just, uh, you know, a thorn in this side of this town. And everybody hates them. They're, they're animals. And, and it escalates to ridiculous levels. They spill some cases of beer that sets it up, and they basically do not like each other at that point. Uh, Tiny's boys just run amok and they cause some real horrifically tragic things to happen to Lawrence Dane and his family. This is basically where the movie escalates. And, and when I was watching this first, I was like, why are these guys being like this? This is They're so, acting so over the top. No one acts like this. And I was like, this is getting way too stupid for how mean it's going to get. And I literally was kind of starting to dislike the movie. But as it progressed, it won me over in a big way. As it went on and on, I was like, I, I love this movie. It's trashy. It's, ex it's exploitative in a lot of ways, but it has like a good dramatic element to it, like a big dramatic core and uh i dug it so what happens is after the son loses so much he uh snaps and he builds this giant monster truck uh not to mention tiny runs oh, his bar is not just a bar this is how kind of sleazy tiny is it's also a strip joint and a used cars uh, sales place so he's, he's just like a, such a sleazy guy and his hair's done up kind of like the cat lady from the cat uh, teacher from monster squad it looks great he turns in an amazing performance as just a sleazeball. His kids are all bad. You hate them. Lawrence Dane is great in it, but uh, the revenge is very fun, very over the top with the monster truck. It's got all these crazy tools on it. I dig it. I dig it. I think it's a lot of fun in, in that aspect. And, um, it's very enjoyable because the bad guys you hate so much. And there's a really great scene in here where you see the. Um, it, it's funny, but it's done only funny because the situation and the dialogue, and it, it's great. There's a. Well, they're all eating dinner, the remaining family of the Tiny's family and his boys, some of the boys that had already been murdered. And. The two of the brothers are just being obnoxious assholes. A couple of them are. And uh, they bring all these potatoes out and their dinner, they're eating at the bar. And uh, Ned Betty starts throwing the, the potatoes, the mashed potatoes at all of them, freaking out. And he's screaming and yelling, and then he stops, and he's like, darling, we're going to need more potatoes out here. And it just and it goes to the next scene, and I was like, no, you guys didn't do that. Like, it was like almost like it'd be great if it was an improv by Ned. And then they just kept it in there because it was so perfect. What'd you do that for? 
Wait for the blessing. Blessing? <laughs> Bow your heads, damn it. What kind of low-life scumbag assholes did I raise here? Your brothers, your own flesh and blood, not even cold. And all you can think about is to feed your fat bellies? We gotta eat. You gotta eat. You gotta eat. Well, eat. Eat that. Eat it. Eat it. Eat it. You want to eat it. Eat it. You eat that. You want some butter with it? Okay. Okay. Now, Vic tells me that he sent your brothers out to get Steve Tyler. Now, that means that he got to him or Joey Rosso got to him first. Now, you can't let that happen again. You got to make him pay. You got to make him pay or you cannot come back here because I'll kill you myself. Join your hands in prayer. Put your hands in here. Come on. Watch my sword. God, we want you to look after them two boys that are no longer with us here. And God, come on, God, God. Help us and get the low-life sons of bitches that Amen. 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 Fucking A. We need more potatoes out here. It has a commentary on here and some other trailers. I'd really recommend checking this one out. Uh, it, uh, I, it, I think it's Canadian, too. I know Lawrence Dame is a Canadian actor, but yeah, Canadian movie. Uh, if you like revenge movies, it's well worth your time. It's pretty mean-spirited, though. You know, it kind of reminds me on the same level of something like New Kids by Sean Cunningham in that kind of vein and uh, kind of over-the-top bad guys, but I like this kind of stuff. I always have. It began as a game. What it became was the ruthless murder of an innocent family. That man killed my wife and kids. Leaving a father and son to defy a lawless breed. Can you find him 300 bucks? Cheating the system. You got to make him pay. Planning the terror. Here he comes. I'll get him. For them, it's still only a game. For Joey Rosso, the vengeance is real. Rolling vengeance. Because the police aren't fast enough. Gonna wanna know about this. The laws aren't tough enough. And one man alone just isn't enough. There's a vigilante trucker out there. Maybe the guy figured that somebody had to do something.
weapon he has. Rolling Vengeance, the ultimate monster truck. Okay, guys, the next one I'm going to review is... It needs no introduction. I shouldn't even be reviewing it. 1985, directed by Tom Holland, Fright Night. Or Fright Night. I'm sure a million people have done that way better. I'm, I've just embarrassed myself quite a bit there. But, <laughs> yeah, this is the Eureka edition that comes with the documentary You're So Cool, Brewster, and a slew of other features. Uh, I'm going to be brief, more brief on Fright Night, um, but talk more so about, uh, you know, the You're So Cool, Brewster. But Fright Night, it's a classic. I've always loved Fright Night. I've always loved Fright Night, too. Um, Tom Holland did a great job with this. And uh, the older I get, the more I realize uh, how good a movie this is and how, how well he mixed the comedy in his movie. It's not like uh, just so goofy or even campy. It's serious in its tone and the dialogue is great. There's not a weak link in this movie. If anybody doesn't know the plot of uh, Fright Night, it's basically Rear Window with a vampire. Charlie Brewster uh, lives with his mother and uh, he basically one night next door he notices that Chris Sarandon and his helper are up to something strange. Girls keep going in and not coming out and there's also some serial murder going on. He puts two to two together and then he realizes, of course, he's a vampire. He sees his fangs and what not that starts basically the problem right there and uh what would a kid do well a kid tells the police he does that and it, it, it goes to a brilliant scene with uh, art evans who pops up as a cop also in the movie mom where uh, a mom turns into a werewolf if anybody's ever seen that one it's pretty fun but uh and then the cops don't believe him of course and that um he goes to his childhood hero, one of his heroes, uh, Peter Vincent, based on Peter Cushing and Vincent Price. He's a he's a late night host on this horror show and uh, introduces his old horror movies. So he goes to him, played by Roddy McDowell, classic actor, and uh, the basically him and his friends have to face off against Chris Sarandon and his helper. It's a great movie. Uh, it, it does like uh, they talked about in the making of and all the interviews and whatnot that this movie adds a human touch to the vampires and there's moments of you know sincerity in here, stuff that pushes. The movie far further. Also, the great uh, score uh, by Brad Fidel does an amazing job. Who did Terminator the year before? So it's got really great stuff going for it. The You're So Cool Brewster documentary is two hours and twenty six minutes long. It has all the major players in here, except uh, the mother. They really couldn't find, but it, it's great. And of course, you know, obviously Roddy McDowell had passed away. They do have some archival stuff in here with them, but uh, they have the special effects artists. There's lots of good behind the scenes stories about that, and uh, about one guy getting his ass chewed out for going above the. For have some weird thing where they kind of just screwed him over, but he got to work on the movie anyways. Steve Johnson's on here. There's lots of good funny anecdotes, and they talk about all sorts of things and questions that you had about Fright Night. Like, what is Billy Cole? What is Billy Cole, really? Is he a ghoul? I always assumed he was some sort of ghoul, weird helper, zombie thing. They talk about that. They talk about... Um, the sequel and whatnot, all all great antidotes. And uh, the guy who plays Billy Joel, uh, Billy Billy Cole, Billy Joel, yep, yep, Piano Man. I'm just kidding. But uh, Billy Cole, he uh, his interviews are funny. He's a funny guy. I guess he was like an improv comedian, and I love the stories he tells. It really cracks me up. But uh, great performances all around. Great score. Great special effects. It was one of those heydays where I just to be alive to think about it. You could have saw Return of the Living Dead the year before, then go see Fright Night, then then go see Day of the Dead in the same year, and then all sorts of such so many. Many cool things. Lost Boys a couple years later. I mean, it revived the vampire genre. It's just such a good movie. And uh, they even have interviews, like additional extra features on here with like a Q&A &A at a Fear Fest. And that has um, 
some uh, uh, Tommy Lee Wallace from Fright Night 2 and Julie Carmen. And then there's some additional interviews with John Grise and Brian Thompson and all sorts of things on there. I, I like seeing that, too. They talk a lot about the Fright Night movies. And then there's even uh, you know archival electronic press kit, the music video by Jake Giles Band, um, the choice cuts with Ryan Turek from Shockwaves, not to mention that um, who uh, Rob Galuzzo hosts the panel. So there's a lot of familiar faces that I like seeing and that do a great job. There's tons of special features. Like I said, it looks great, too. It's a 4K scan. Uh, it, the sound was a amazing in here it was coming through my system and it just was it was a top-notch release for a top-notch horror film i mean anybody that hasn't seen fright night or doesn't like fright night come on guys it's just such a good movie and it's fun but not stupid and that's that's such a good way to approach your movies take everything seriously the silly stuff it's going to be silly enough without you purposely making it stupid i know I feel like, you know, I mean, like, this stuff like this, like, it is, it's not campy necessarily. On, it's definitely not campy on purpose. If, even if there is camp, it's it's genuine camp. But it's a, it's such a cool movie with amazing special effects. And Chris Sarandon is so good, so good in this. And I, he's just such a cool guy. And you're so cool, Brewster, too. He's just a smart, intellectual guy. You can tell he's a thinking guy. You can tell he doesn't uh, talk out of his ass like I do. But, uh, yeah, Fright Night, great stuff. Great release. I'd recommend checking that out. Maybe, maybe Shout Factory, Scream Factory will be releasing it soon or, or somebody else I don't know but uh, I couldn't wait anymore mom there are people next door oh I guess the new owner's moving in supposed to be very attractive there are two guys out in the yard and I think they're carrying a coffin Charlie do you want to make love or not there was a murder last night Charlie thinks he saw the victim in this house I saw him carry her body out in a plastic bag Another body of a young woman was discovered early this morning in back of the Sheridan Mall. The guy did have fangs, and a bat did fly over my head, and a second later, he stepped out of the shadows. Now, don't you see what that means? Wait, let me guess. What? I have a vampire living next door to me, and he's going to kill me if I don't protect myself. The vampire cannot enter your house without being invited first. This is our next-door neighbor, Jerry Dandridge. Hello, Charlie. sip of coffee for you guys i'm gonna go into the vhs voyage and this one uh what was this 87 too i believe it is 87 yep this 86 87 this is an embassy tape this is hunter's blood this is a deliverance ripoff with uh clue gilliger billy drago joey travolta bruce glover who else pops in this uh the big guy from uh um um, home improvement. He's in tons of stuff, and uh, I have I like this movie. I have a laser disc that's beat to crap, but I still have it. 
Uh, and I love the back of this. It looks like this one even got water damage. I remember buying it. Pretty cool laser disc and uh, the VHS. And I even have a DVD bootleg of Hunter's Blood. I saw this movie. I, you know, I, I think I only saw it a couple times before I actually rewatched it. But I, it left a lasting impression on me. I love backwoods movies. I love exploitation. I love like the Deliverance style movies. But Hunter's Blood follows the story of about five city guys who go on a hunting trip to you know they own the property to bag some deer. Uh, they run into some really mean spirited poachers in here who are animals, monsters, you know, just the stereotypical kind of uh, backwoods things that, uh, you know, people would think are, that are out there that probably are not actually out there. But Mickey Jones is the other guy. I forgot his name. But uh, that's basically what it pitches. Five city folk versus a group of uh, ravenous, crazy uh, deer poachers that have their own society out there. They're mean as hell. And the movie's pretty mean-spirited. No bullshit kind of stuff. And the, the first half of the movie's a little bit goofy. You know, you have them kind of having fun to get to loot, like kind of lighten the mode, the mood. But then as it progresses, it gets pretty dark, especially in the way some of the guys are killed and like uh, or, or die. It's almost like elevates it to like a horror movie, especially what happens to one of the characters named Purdy Boy, if anybody's seen this movie. But uh, I got to I got to give it up. I love that the bad guys have like enough. They, they actually like each other. That helps push it on. The the lead bad guy is actually Sal from Robocop and he's red beard in this. He's he's uh, this movie's got tons of memorable lines for me. In fact, it was the first thing I ever uploaded to my channel like 10 years ago i uploaded the trailer hunter's blood and i remember so many uh i've seen that trailer so many times and just so many lines in this movie like clue gulgers is one of the coolest guys ever right guys clue's the best but he says uh you know if they knew where we were they'd be fighting us right now or which one of you sons of bitches wants to die first <laughs> the red beard but uh i love this stuff and some of the deaths in here are great uh joey travolta is ridiculous he's very annoying but he's supposed to be and it's just every time somebody does a bad impersonation of john travolta um, this is Joe. This is John Travolta's brother, by the way, guys. It, it sounds like Joey Travolta, and that's what it reminds me of in this. The movie ends on kind of a strange note, but um, I would have loved to see more of this. Uh, I, but the performances in here by the bad guys, in particular Bruce Glover, he's like just—he always turns in such a great performance. He pops up in stuff like Hard Times and Popcorn. But Bruce Glover in this is—they uh, call him One Eye in this—and he's got like one dead eye, and he's—he's he's just great in it. The bad guys are are scary. They're—they're they're awesome, and they all die in these kind of kind of brutal ways and it's a survival movie um you know it's also got a what um timothy bottoms and sam bottoms timothy bottoms brother is the lead in this and he does a pretty good job i know this movie's got kind of an unfair rating on uh, letterbox but lots of movies do very very inaccurate ratings on letterbox if you ask me but it's uh, Hunter's Blood, man. Uh, I really recommend checking it out if you like exploitation. It's got uh, it's got everything going for it. And there's this weird like laugh that you hear one of the uh, kind of hicks do the in the background, and it's just so memorable. It's like right when you hear it, you're like, oh no, I'm in deep shit. But uh, I, I dig it. I like this kind of stuff, and uh, it's got some good drama too between the characters. But really cool stuff. Get ready for the killing season in Hunter's Blood. Only this season, the hunters will become the hunted. They knew where we were. We'll be fighting them right this minute. God. Cover me! 
where the law of the land is, do unto others. Before they do unto you. Starring Samuel Bottoms, Clue Gulliger, and Kim Delaney. Hunter's Blood. The next one is the Pick a Movie, and I don't remember who picked this one, but I had it for years sitting here. Uh, End of the Line. This is by the it's Canadian film, I believe, or Canadian director at least. And I had heard some cool things about this movie, and I never watched it. But this is by the director who did Slashers, and I loved, I adored Slashers when it came out. I really dug this, and I was like, man, I should watch this anyways. And then they picked it, and I was like, this works out well. I've wanted to see this for years. This is a 2007 movie. And again, talk about unfair ratings on the internet and Letterboxd, man. Come on, guys. I'm, I'm sitting there looking at the ratings. I'm going to rant for a second here. And like stuff like Golden Temple Amazons has 2.8 or 5 and End of the Lines on the same uh, same level. I'm like, this is one of these movies like The Item or Colobus that's actually really cool, but it somehow got that extra push and it was in like every video store. So like a lot of normal, I don't want to say everyday people that aren't used to any budget movies rented it and saw it and they're like, that was the worst crap I ever seen. So they rate it like a 1 and in reality it's even to them it should be an average film but in reality for what they have I don't want to rate movies on for what they have but the creativity they're good they're really awesome movies and end of the line is that uh, I, I love survival horror movies I'm going to do this one without giving too much away the less you know the better it will be hell you might even want to skip the trailer I don't know what the trailer looks like at the end of this but end of the line follows the story of this girl who seems to have some psychological problems she gets on this train and uh, something catastrophic happens where her and a group of survivors has to has to make it and uh, you don't know exactly what's happening and that's that's something very scary about it and the the, the actual antagonist in the movie are, are are you feel like you don't know if they're actually right or wrong which sets it sets a great thing here but the director on here you know when you watch the movie and I started going back and watching the features they don't spoil anything and they let they leave this movie open to interpretation but if you watch closely there is no interpretation in something I don't want to spoil anything but there's two lines in this movie uh, where one of the characters says all I had to eat was this and you see somebody eat something else and then you start to realize that you know okay I know what's going on here but uh, the movie's brutal I felt bad when characters died I felt disgusted at points it has one of the most realistic you I don't want to say it's over the top, but realistic head chopping scenes I've ever seen because they do the thing that you should do when you're doing a realistic head chopping scene. It just doesn't fly off so easily. And I, uh, I, I there's a couple of times in this movie when that people get hit or people get hurt. I do, oh man, because it feels real to me. And I was reading these reviews and people were saying it, 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 it wanted to be an over the top gory thing, but it doesn't really, it's not gory enough. I was like, not gory enough. And then I seen other things where people said if it could take itself seriously, I was like, there's quirkiness to it, but it's very serious. I don't know what these people are watching, and I don't know how these people are interpreting this movie, but this movie has some really genuine, great moments. It's a survival movie. It's got good special effects. It's got good characters. It's got a good score. It's got a good... It's got cool, uh, you know, kind of think-for-yourself type movie. Really, really liked it. I was very impressed with it. So much so that I had to go find the other guy's movie. I had Blood Symbol on VHS. He did four movies. And uh, I had... Um, I already had slashers, so I ended up having Lady of the Lake, which he also did. Not to be confused by Lady by the Water. But End of the Line, man, such cool stuff. I was very, very happy with it. Very, very surprised. 
They're everywhere. You still gonna take the train tonight? Let's hop into the pick a movie. If you ever want to enter, just leave a comment saying so on YouTube or Screaming Toilet. Do not re-enter unless you've been drawn. Your name will stay in the bag until you are drawn. Uh, I know the last person won was uh, Michael Woodward, and he picked Killed Game. Who's going to win this one? we got Dracula Says I Have Great Taste. I like that name. That's very funny. Dracula Says I Have Great Taste. That you may. Let's see what you pick. I'm excited to see. But let's hop into the Q&A. The M. Brown 80. I see you got some 88 films collection. What do you got in there? I just started purchasing the films and I'm really digging them thus far. Always love seeing the weekly... Oh, okay, he's got two questions. Um, I got a lot of the uh, Euro ones. I bought. I try to buy all the Euro, Euro Italian collection that has not been released here yet. Let me know if you actually want me to show my 88 films collection. I can do it next video. But Because uh, I, I mentioned that showing some people stuff like that. But... Yeah, I haven't had a chance to actually watch a lot of their releases, but I've been picking them up because I know I want to have the, pretty much all the Giallo or Italian horror stuff that's not been released stateside yet. And a lot of that stuff may not be. Sorry, guys. Elixir of Life coffee. But, uh, okay, always great seeing the Weekly Western. Speaking of Western films, what are some of your favorites and pure stinkers? Some of my favorites are, of course, The Wild Bunch. I uh, have some like 80s, uh, you know, favorites like Young Guns that's just growing up with it and Tombstone. I love those movies. But, you know, you can't go wrong with stuff like The Wild Bunch and Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. And a lot of the spaghetti westerns once about a time in the West, um, you know, um, fist for, uh, for a few dollars more. You know, they're just great. So I would say, you know, those are the ones I really, really enjoy. Posse is a guilty pleasure of mine. Pure stinkers. You know, I haven't seen any old westerns, some older western movies that have been like just absolute pure stinkers. Um, you know, there's some that I just had no interest in seeing, like Texas Rangers when it came out. I don't know if it's any good. But uh, there's a couple new westerns that came out a while ago that I reviewed. Uh, and one was with Clint Eastwood's son, Scott Eastwood, and that one was okay, but there was another one that was following this, like, gang of guys. I can't even remember its name, and that was that was a stinker to me. That was bad. I did not care for that. And any, um, there's been some independent Westerns. I don't want to give any names like that off the top of my head, but some 
you have to have a certain amount of money or take it a completely different direction if you want to do a Western is like, you know, an actual Western, like a big Western and widescreen and horses and just beautiful scenery and stuff like that. It's just not easily done unless you're going to make it a small kind of isolated Western horror movie. And I could see that working, but it's just a lot of the new ones. You can't really be cheap and make a traditional Western. I mean, you could be kind of cheap, but you can't be dirt cheap. Uh, Skip, Dave, my ask a question for a YouTube channel. My question is that the bad man in Apple Cart, you have experience with acting wearing a mask. How do you deal with this limitation of not using facial expressions? Well, you use a lot of, you listen to the director, first and foremost, um, if you trust the director. And if you don't trust the director, don't bother doing the movie. But, um, you you know, use your slouch. If your character's kind of slouchy, are we supposed to be big and intimidating? You do the cane hotter that everybody says you put your shoulders back. (sighs) You breathe in. Even if you're small, you still look bigger. They'll shoot you up. They'll make you look big if they can. You know, get use your posture. You use your things. Um, you know, I, I've always when I talk, I you guys notice I use my hands a lot. So sometimes that helps. But in like apple cart, you have to be larger than life. It's supposed to be almost like a you know not a parody, but like it, it's a take on those kind of silent acting things where you have to be really big. And instead of just using your hands, you get to be like ah, oh, look surprised like this. So it's it's different. And the bad man, I'm realistic. I'm in a, a real world. An apple cart. This is not the same world that we all live in. It is, it's like a reflection of the real world we live in, you know, like under the mask and everything, but it, it's not exactly the, 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 you know what I mean? It's not reality or it shouldn't be told in the way reality is. So you, you got to use like your posture and stuff like that, your walk, um, you know, it, it just stuff like that is what I would use because you can't use your face. You can't use your eye. You can use your eyes, but only so much, especially if your eyes aren't showing up in every shot. Uh, okay. I think he asked. Okay, there we go. John William, what is your favorite Gene Hackman role? Off the top of my head, I love him in Quick and the Dead. I know I love him in Unforgiven too, but I love when great actors get to have fun. And and, and Quick and the Dead, Gene Hackman's having fun. If you live to see another day, it's because I allow it. His line in Quick and the Dead, I'm like, jeez. But he's he's in so many good movies. He always turns in a great job. So like any Gene Hackman role is good. Even like the crappy movies he's been in. Even like something like Hunting Party, he's does the best job in that movie. Even over Oliver Reed. I mean, I think Hackman does a better job in Hunting Party. And I love Oliver Reed. So yeah, I mean, Hackman's good in everything. Nick Mua, if you ruled the universe, what would you do? Hopefully not disappear half of us a la MCU's Thanos, Thanos, or Thanos, whatever you want to say. If I ruled the universe. I have a I have a weird sense. You know, I, I'm kind of a strange person when it comes to that. I don't like making decisions for other people. I don't like telling other people what to do. But also, I think that some people cross a line and there's no coming back. And those people shouldn't. They're no longer human. They're not. They're less than animals to me. Like, and I love animals. So I'm not saying animals are bad, but you know what I mean. Like, so it's very hard to determine. Like, if I rule the universe, so basically, if I was a god, you know. I would allow free will. You have to allow free will because you don't want... um, I just would reward good behavior, but unknowingly reward it. But I wouldn't want it to be that point where it's like, well, I did good, so I deserve this. Because there's so many people out there that are just being good just because... uh, It's going to probably cross some wise people. I'm just trying to get in heaven. Be good to be good. I mean... If you believe in God, you don't believe in God, heaven should be a bonus. I mean, you, you know what I mean? Whatever I'm saying. But there's so many people out there that just are... Like, if they didn't believe in God, they'd be monsters. And I think, I don't don't like people like that. But that's what I'm saying. I mean, if I rule the universe, I I don't know. It's such a weird question, to be honest, and a hard one to answer. 
Uh, would you ever make a short film about the haunted orphanage in your neighborhood if you had the money? I, it, um, I wish it was my neighborhood, mommy. It was nice, but uh, uh, it's a, it's kind of around me. I think it would be cool to do. Um, I would like to have uh, you know actual stories. I have to find some sort of story arc. I just wouldn't want to base it off that. Maybe you could make a couple anthologies about the haunted orphanage and stuff. I'm, I'm not big in the ghost stories, so I'd have to have like flashbacks and like. You know, definitely bullshit it because hospital movies are always terrifying. Like an orphanage, like this, I think it was like part hospital too. So you could have like this crazy hospital orphanage thing experiments. I would definitely not have it be as close to the true story. Please name your top three Lovecraftian films. Uh, that's so hard. I mean, Lovecraft is everywhere. He's in everything. And you know, I, I people are always like Stuart Gordon. I was like, I love Stuart Gordon movies. Don't get me wrong, but. By plot, they are very Lovecraftian, but by execution, they are not. They're very sexual and sleazy. But I still can't deny From Beyond. I love From Beyond. I love Reanimator, too. I don't know, but I'm just going to go with From Beyond. I'm going to go with The Beyond from Fulci. I think that's very Lovecraftian. I think Fulci is one of the most Lovecraftian directors out there. Very nightmare logic, very scary, and uh, very just gives me an off, off feeling all the time. So we'll go with that. And uh, last, I'm going to switch it up a bit. Maybe uh, In the Mouth of Madness, I think, is very Lovecraftian, where it's this weird kind of way to end the world. So I, I don't know if those are my favorites. I mean, Reanimator would probably be above In the Mouth of Madness, but I want to give you three different kind of styles of H.P. Lovecraft horror. And that's what I'll go with. James Grimmer, in terms of special features, do image galleries interest you at all, or do you mainly stick to interviews? Do you feel that Easter egg features are something that companies should start doing again, or have they those kind of surprises lost their appeal? Those sometimes are fun, especially if like you just see, see something like, what is this? And it's like a 10-second interview or whatnot. I know that uh, the Don't Answer the Phone original DVD or whichever one, the uh, BCI, had a great Easter egg uh, feature with uh, Nicholas Worth on there. But, uh, and along with the other additional interview with him. But um, image galleries, a lot of times they're garbage. Sometimes they're cool, especially it depends who took the pictures. It depends what's on the image gallery. You never know what you're going to get with an image gallery. It could just be like two cases of the DVD, from one from Japan, one from America, and that's it. Or it could be really cool behind-the-scenes stuff. Sometimes they interest me. Uh, I like interviews um, as well, but... Um, yeah, um, I stick to everything. I watch all the features uh, if I can, to be honest, but sometimes you don't have the time. Um, you know, let's hop into the update. Okay, guys, here is the update. Let's start with the Kinos. I got, I had to order something from the Kino sale, right? I wasn't going to at first, but I couldn't deny them. I got eight titles. Uh, the first one of Delta Force 2. I don't know if I ever saw Delta Force 2. I know I saw the first one. Uh, I know Lee Marvin's not in this one, but uh, yep. Chuck Norris. I don't like keep buying these Chuck Norris movies. Not like Chuck Norris, but usually the movies are aligned with great like character actors I enjoy. So, the day after, this has two cuts on there. This is a post-apocalyptic movie um, along the line of Threads, I guess. But it's a TV movie, so it's not as not as messed up as Threads. Threads give you nightmares. And there's another one I guess called Testament that I wanted to see. Um, but this has two cuts of the movie on here, theatrical and the TV version. It has Jason Robars in it. Very excited to check this movie out. I love Jason Robars. I love post-apocalyptic or the movies, and especially yeah, you know one that's told like in a serious, realistic manner could be very scary. And then we have the uh, Crimson Cult with uh, Boris Karloff and Christopher Lee. I think Barbara Steele's in this as well. Looks very cool, very fun from the 60s. We got, oh, I was excited to check this one out. A spaghetti Western, A Minute to pray, uh, pray, A Second to Die. It's got Alex Cord in it, Robert Ryan, George Kennedy. 
or Arthur Kennedy. Oh, the the older Kennedy. But I love Robert Ryan. So yeah, Alex Court's cool too. Alex Court doesn't does he even have his mustache? He's got a five o'clock shed on there. But yeah, excited to check that out. Uh, we got here Platoon Leader and uh, Soldier Boys, two Michael Dudikoff movies. They look fun. I always saw these covers. Or at least I saw Platoon Leader when I was a kid all the time. Never rented it. Uh, Something Big with uh, Dean Martin and Brian Keith Western. Looked a little silly. Uh, Star Slammer by Fred Owen Ray. This look, I heard this is not particularly good. But uh, I looked on the back, and the guy with the pink mohawk right here, is that Smeagola? Or Smi what is his name from Surf Nazis Must Die? Terrible movie, by the way. Great trailer, terrible movie. But is that him? I wonder if it is. Uh, okay, we got uh, Digstown. This looked cool. James Woods, uh, Lou Gossett Jr., Bruce Dern. I think they talked about this on Pure Cinema Podcast. Man, Kino's just putting them out. Kino is awesome, and a good price, too. Uh, this wasn't from the sale, but I got this pretty good price. Moving Violations, supposed to be a comedy. Dirt Cheap, got it, Dirt Cheap. Couldn't pass it up. And I also got this one, Dirt Cheap. Uh, the Girl Hunters by Scorpion. Still sealed. I actually got The Girl Hunters Moving Violation ship for 10 bucks, both of them together. That is cheap. Okay, and a couple VHS, uh, DVDs. Uh, this one... Dead Presidents. I already. I didn't know if I already had it. I saw it at Best Buy for four bucks. Or was yeah, uh, three ninety nine. I love this movie. I, so I figured I'd show it. And I went downstairs. I already had it. I figured I already had it. I want a Blu-ray of this. Maybe Kino will get this one. Uh, but Dead Presidents, the follow-up uh, by the Hughes brothers to uh, Menace to Society, uh, which I think is a superior movie to Boys in the Hood personally. But uh, it's been a long time since I've seen Boys in the Hood. But Dead Presidents, I love this movie. It's so messed up, and it's got a great cast. Very memorable. I wish I surprised not many people talk about it anymore. It was such a good movie. Uh, Lady of the Lake, uh, Fangoria release. This it's kind of beat up, but it's out of print, so I'm not going to complain too much. Like I said, I, I heard pretty decent things about this one, but uh, I know the Fangoria presents also released I Zombie, which I, I actually really like. But uh, yeah, I'll check this one out by the guy who did um, End of the Line. Okay, guys, back to the video. Okay, guys, I hope you enjoyed the video. Thank you very much for watching, and as always, have a good one. Ah.